All right, this episode is brought to you by the Jordan Harbinger Show, a fascinating podcast that covers a wide range of topics through weekly interviews with heavy-hitting guests. Jordan talks to a lot of people from the tech and business space and has had everybody on his show, from Mark Cuban to Bill Nye, the science guy, to skateboard legend Tony Hawk, the co-founder of Instagram, Kevin Systrom. There's an episode for everyone, no matter what you're into or who you're into. The show also covers stories like how a professional art forager somehow made millions of dollars while being chased by the feds and the mafia, or how a girl was able to escape from the religious cult that she'd been born into. Uh, podcast has episodes on relationship advice, dealing with career issues. The Jordan Harbinger show covers a lot of ground, but one constant is Jordan's ability to pull useful pieces of advice from his guests that you can apply to your own life, whether it's an actionable routine change that boosts your activity or a slight tweak uh, to your mindset that changes how you see the world. Check out the Jordan Harbinger Show. Search for it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's the Jordan Harbinger Show, H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R as in rock and roll show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or jordanharbinger.com slash subscribe. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho, the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And actor and comedian Brian Posehn returns to Talk is Jericho in his first solo appearance. He was actually on the show a couple years ago when we did the first Classic album clash, uh, Metallica. We did Master of Puppets versus Ride the Lightning. Brian is a huge Metallica fan. He's actually a huge heavy metal fan. He just released his own album, Grandpa Metal, which he wrote and recorded with Scott Ian of Anthrax. You can get it on iTunes or Amazon or wherever you get music. Brian's going to tell us some stories about the making of the record. He's also talking about some of his acting gigs. Uh, you remember him from Burt from The Big Bang Theory. He was also on Just Shoot Me with David Spade. He also had a role in the Star Wars series, The Mandalorian, on Disney+. Plus. He's going to tell us how he got involved with Star Wars, what it was like to be a part of that world. Brian Posting coming up. Coming up on Thursday, episode three of The Winnipeggers. Dave Spivak and Ribo join me again on YouTube and Facebook Live for another hilarious 30 minutes of mayhem. This week, it is near-death experiences. Dave almost drowns in front of a girl that he's trying to date. Uh, Ribo almost flies off the edge of a ski hill. And uh, I get held up in the uh, deserted outskirts of Mexico City, all of us trying to pick up chicks and almost died as the result of it. So check that out. Near-death experiences on the Winnipeggers uh, this Thursday at 9 Eastern on YouTube and Facebook Live. Plus, I'm going to have uh, the Saturday Night Special. I think I'm, I'm going to do my best to have it one way or another. Fozzie's actually playing a show, our first since the cruise in January. We're going to be uh, at the original in Minot, North Dakota, one of four shows that did not get canceled due to coronavirus. We're playing tomorrow night, Thursday, at Riverfest in uh, Madison, Fort Madison, uh, Iowa. Friday night, the 7th, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, at the District. Saturday in Minot, as I mentioned. Uh, and then we'll be in Sturgis, South Dakota, on Sunday night at the Iron Horse Saloon. Haven't been to Sturgis since Road Wild uh, back in the day. Looking forward to getting back on stage and rocking out with you guys. Of course, we'll be doing it safely, following all the rules and regulations to make sure everyone stays healthy and safe, wearing masks, social distance, social distancing rock and roll. Uh, could be the new ACDC uh, song. Uh, everything is going good, though. We're excited. And I'm going to do the, Friday, the Saturday special 
one way or another. We'll figure it out, and I will keep you guys posted. I'll probably give you an announcement on Friday or Saturday at what time we're going to do it. Uh, uh, Wi-Fi pending, if Wi-Fi allows me to do it. So anyways, come rock with Fozzie, and we'll see you this weekend one way or another. Uh, tickets at FozzieRock.com, Sunday Night Special YouTube and Facebook, Winnipeggers at YouTube and Facebook, and Brian posting right here, right now on Talk is Jericho. So um, one of the big hits, <laughs> I use that term lightly, of Talk is Jericho is the classic album Clash. Uh-huh. And the first one was with you, Brian Posehn, where we did the uh, Ride the Lightning versus Master of Puppets. Uh-huh. And that was three years ago or something like that. I think you. But yeah, you've yeah. never been on the show to talk about you. No. So it's perfect to have you here. Oh, cool. Uh, with the new album, Grandpa Metal. And explain what Grandpa Metal is. What is it? Oh, are we on? Yeah, we're on. Yeah, we're going, man. <laughs> You're so casual. You didn't have any energy. Or... <laughs> Harry is coming up. Brian Bosaine coming up. <laughs> uh, well, the record is Grandpa Metal, but the song, it's a totally different thing. The record, I had come up with the title, and it was kind of like talking about anybody our age or our right. age-ish that's been into metal since the 80s or whatever, and then is sort of grumpy about it and just is like, you know, doesn't listen to new stuff. I do, but right. you know, it was yeah. kind of about that. And then I'd been calling Scott that for a while. Say Scott Ian. Yeah. Oh. So since you know him, you know he's like that. He hasn't liked a new band since the Refused. So which is what 1997, 98. Wow. I'm not even sure. Wow. Uh, it's been a while. Yeah. So I still check out new bands all the time, and you know, of course, I love. It's made in Metallica is my main stuff still, but so it became that. And then uh, once I landed on that. And then the song just became, you know, let's just bust his balls. So it just became a series of old man jokes about Scott. <laughs> you know, how he has to uh, use life alert to get out of the pit now and stuff like that. It was all, you know, he invented moshing, but now when he stomps, you hear his diaper sloshing. And it's all like old guy jokes. Uh-huh. And he loved it. And so then, like, in the song, we actually play off each other. He's, you know, it's kind of call and response. And then the rest of the record... I had done these songs with Scott, and I always wanted to do, like, a full record. We had done, for Relapse, uh, my comedy records. When I signed with them, it made sense to do music, too. So, like, 16 years ago, I did this song called uh, Metal by Numbers, and it was making fun of, like, uh, all the um, metalcore bands in the 90s mm-hmm. where it just sounded like everything sounded the same. There was, like, a Maiden part, a Metallica part, a right. Breakdown. And then, like, a, a, a clean vocal part. Mm-hmm. So we made fun of that, and that went well. And then uh, we did this More Metal Than You on my last comedy record. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and so when we did that, I was always like, oh, this would be fun to do a full record and just have a comedy metal record where it makes fun of all these different tropes or different cliches in metal. So there's, like, a, a Satan song, a Viking song. There's a song about my wiener. You know, it's just like everything that like bands a cover have, of "Take on Me." Yes, <laughs> right. Zetro uh, singing "Take on Me," something I never thought I would hear. <laughs> yeah, I did it for you. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, thank you, sir. Yeah, and that was just like that cover came from. Uh, you know, I've always felt like any song would be better if it's metal. Uh, I've been a metalhead since I was a teenager, and I really hated pop music as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Like, I, to me, it was like uh, it was trying to piss me off. Like, it felt like. Uh, an attack, you know, <laughs> pop music, because it was so, like, not for my ears, and just, and everybody loved it, and it was always invasive, and and uh, so that was a song where it's just, you know, it's been an earworm since I was a kid, 
And I was like, well, let me fix it. Let me make it the way I'd like to hear it <laughs> and get Chuck Billy and Zetro. And then, you know, uh, Rob Cavistani did the solo from Death Angel. Death Angel, yeah. And then Jill from Huntress. Were you familiar with Huntress? But I actually gigged with the Starbreakers, oh, which cool. was Jill's cover band. Yeah. They did a show with Nita, Nita Strauss. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and she was the singer. And yeah, she yeah. Has since passed on. Yeah. But that's crazy that you have her on the record. Yeah, I have her on two songs. And so, like, the record took so long to make, but, you know, I've known that, well, now at least people get to hear, you know, kind of this. It's kind of her last. The last stuff last, she did. Last yeah. vocals, yeah. Yeah. And she was real funny on this one song I did. I did a song called Goblin Love, where it's just uh, mm -hmm. her and I, like, meeting on a dating app, but doing uh, goblin voices. It's like a goblin dating app. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just wanted to, because that's like a black metal thing, too. I don't know how into black metal you are. To me, some of it is kind of silly because the singers are so not even sounding like humans anymore. Oh, you know, terrible. Just, some, some you of them even dress stuff. like goblins with yeah, the, the, the yeah. mortise with the nose that and dude, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was making fun of that kind of thing. Well, not really making fun of the music because I love the music so much. That it's, but, you know, sort of busting its balls, mm -hmm. if, you know, but really... I, I wanted to make just a funny you, uh, love song. Do you feel when you talk about pop music, do you feel the same way now? Because, like, for example, when I was a kid like in, in junior high school, that's when Duran Duran were at their peak. Mm -hmm. And I hated Duran Duran because all the chicks loved them mm -hmm. to the point where I even made a shirt with paint. I remember taking a paintbrush, a death to Duran Duran. I love it. Didn't get any dates. <laughs> Uh, the bigger chicks used to beat me up because of it. But now I look back, like, what was my... Duran Duran's pretty awesome. Like, what's my problem? I actually liked Duran Duran. In, in high school, I didn't like New Wave. But yeah, they're a band that I've come around on. But the pop, I haven't. Okay. So Madonna and Michael Jackson have not won me over. Okay. They were the big ones in, in uh, the 80s. And, and I still, like, never liked Michael. Mm -hmm. I, I jacked it to Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> But I didn't enjoy her music. <laughs> Take that, Madonna. <laughs> See, there's a mental image that you're going to live with for the rest of your life. High school me, not now, yeah, not me right. now. So, I'm much skinnier and, and uh, had long hair, and I was my hair was pretty. <laughs> did you have long hair? I did, yeah, oh, yeah? yeah, yeah. Lost it. In the 90s, I moved down here, and I was still trying to hold on to it. I was putting it in a hat and pulling it through and, right. you know, doing the ponytail thing. And the girlfriend at the time was just like, she was a... a a costume designer and her friend was uh, a makeup person on TV. So they just took me one day off of work and uh, gave me a, a, a you know an, um, a new what do they call that when makeover. overhaul makeover yeah, yeah. they, they were just friends made, and say come here buddy made me get uh, cut my hair and put different clothes on me. <laughs> you're in Hollywood now <laughs> so when you do the record like you said like uh, Grandpa Metal because the, the the concept of a comedy record really popular kind of in the eighties you know mm -hmm. with Eddie Murphy and Robin Williams and that stuff. Is a comedy record the kind of the same vibe as an actual band's record now? Are people still buying them? Are they listening to them? Not really, and mm. that's the thing. I wanted this to feel like a throwback. I wanted it to be that I'm hoping people will sit down and put their headphones on and listen to this thing all the way through. Mm. That's the way I Because it's know, all produced songs it. all the way through. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple of sketches. There's little links that link the songs together in the beginning, and then there's a sketch with Weird Al in the middle. That's great. And... Uh, so I wanted it to feel like a, a headphone record, like mm. Cheech and Chong or whatever, whatever you you know you listen to Rush, you know all that stuff. But yeah, it's cool too because you said you're such a, a metal fan, and here you are, you know, having all these dudes that you admired now playing yes. on your record. 
and they're and they're mutual fans too. That's the cool thing. about Yeah, it. well, it's cool. You you know a lot of the same people mm-hmm. we know. Mm-hmm. It's it's still not lost on me that I know dudes in Metallica. I didn't get any of them on the record. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. The yeah. fact that we know the people we know and we were fans, right? You know, and uh, they get that. And it's it's surreal to me that you know Chuck was Chuck Billy was a guy that was like, hey, when you do your next, you know, because I had already recorded songs and he knew. He had already asked. He's like, hey, can I be on one of your next songs? And I was like, holy shit, like that guy? <laughs> I like Testament, you know, since they broke. Right. So it's it's not lost on me. And it wound up a lot of uh, just calling in a lot of favors. Yeah. And uh, it really, like, for me, it really fleshed the record out. Like, getting Gary Hold on a song that's about Satan and about Slayer <laughs> uh, just totally fits. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of things that just happened, and I'm like, oh, the record... If that hadn't happened, it wouldn't feel like this, you know. It's just, Are you, do you write the songs too? Yeah. So you play guitar? No. Oh, so okay. Scott writes all the music, oh, and gosh. I write all the lyrics. Gotcha. But we go, we write it. It's pretty collaborative. Like mm-hmm. I'll come up with the concept, and then I'll, I'll, he'll start writing riffs. Like with the Satan song, that was the first song we wrote on the record. But it was like, you know, here's this concept: Satan is kind of a dick. Uh, I want to make fun of the tropes of you know metalheads loving Satan. And so he just started writing those riffs. And mm-hmm. then we sat down together and fleshed it out. Some took longer than others. Just another example of all the different unexpected things you've done in your career, Posehn, uh, like showing up in Disney Plus's The Mandalorian, for example. We'll talk about that uh, more. But first, I want to remind you guys that our friends at IHateStevenSinger.com sell a lot more than just their famous gold dip roses. America's most hated jeweler has actually been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Think about that, since the 80s. Uh, So whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven Singer is there for you. He's got the perfect piece of jewelry to say, I love you forever style. Are you ready to take that next step? Steven has a ready for love engagement ring uh, collection. It's no hassle, risk-free, expertly picked, ready to go. But don't worry, Steven Singer is not going to let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over 20 years, and he's recently kicked everything up a notch to better serve his friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through his new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, emails, all with extended hours. And if that's not enough, Steven Singer also offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100-day, 100% money-back guarantee and free shipping. Plus, he's got interest-free financing available online as well. That's just the beginning. Gifts that say, I love you, every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home. It's easy. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com. Fast, free, and safe shipping. Steven Singer Jewelers. Uh, that's IHateStevenSinger.com. Go check them out now. This is just another example. because Your career is, is just all over the place in a good way. Like, you always pop up in places that you would yeah. never expect. Like, I was watching Mandalorian. I think I texted you. Uh-huh. You're in the ice and get eaten by the ice monster. Like, just randomly, there's a post scene. Here he is again. And now he's on, you know, the Big Bang Theory. And he's over here. He's over there. So uh, you've done a great job of diversifying yourself in Hollywood, which is not easy to do. Right. With a career that spanned 25 years, 30 uh-huh. years at this point. Yeah. Yeah, well, it wasn't intentional, though. It Like, well, part of it was... I just got to stay working, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, I think you're a little bit like mm-hmm. that because I see some guys that do what you do that don't do all the other things you do, you know? Right. I, yeah. I think you and I have a little bit, 
you probably can't sit at home. You probably go crazy. Because there's so many cool things that you want to be involved with, yeah. too, right? Yeah, and there's all these interests. So for me, you know, it made sense that I would get into comic books and then, you know, writing comic books and that kind of mm -hmm. thing and then, you know, go into horror movies and everything else. So, and just kind of covering all my interests, but really out of just trying to stay busy. What, what horror key. movies did you just do? I was, well, I was in uh, Devil's Rejects, Devil's Rejects that's like right, right. 12 years ago now. Yeah, but yeah. That's I just the, watched that's Three from Hell the other day. Right on. It's pretty good. Yeah, Rob, I like does, Rob does his thing. You know what I mean? I still think Rejects, the one I'm it's, in, is the best. It is. It's the best one. It's right. kind of the grittiest and, and uh, most brutal. Brutal. And, yeah. yeah. It's creepy, horrible situations. Yes, you know, yes, yeah. But did you start as an actor or as a stand-up? Stand-up. And okay. so I moved down here uh to Los Angeles from San Francisco in like uh, 94, but I moved here to do stand-up and write mm. and then just fell into acting. Like, I have the weirdest uh, history with acting. Like, um, I know so many people that move down and, you know, you you knock on doors, you don't even get an agent, you don't get any of this stuff. And for me, I had just moved down here. My manager got me a spot at the Improv on Melrose and I went up, this, I get off stage, this casting director goes, hey, that was really funny, what are you doing tomorrow? And I go, I don't know, you know, I was gonna sit around and get high. <laughs> She's like, well, come, come to the, you know, this audition. I went to an audition and I got it. And then the next day, I was on a sitcom. Which, which one was that? It was Empty Nest, but it was a, a walk on part on right. the show. But the point is, like, it's not supposed to be that easy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so then I was like, ah, this acting stuff, <laughs> you know, and the next thing I knew, I had a, a page full on IMDb of all There's the sitcom people shit. people out here yeah. that come for years that can't get a gig. And you're like Ashton Kutcher. Shows up first gig, first audition is 70 show. Oh, I didn't it. know that. Oh, yeah. His uh, first audition ever was 70 show. That's amazing. Right? And that never yeah, happens. That no, does not happen. to get like a 10-year gig like that or right. however long in a career. Yeah. For me, it just, I still had to work my butt off, mm -hmm. but that first audition just came really easily. Were you uh, uh, a traveling comedian, like going on the road? Still am, yeah, that's currently. That you do your weekend gigs or, you know, you're at the at the Funny Bone in Fort Myers or whatever? Yep, I've got Spokane Comedy Club coming up next week and then uh, Raleigh, North Carolina the week after that. And Yeah, it's I, jug I don't just road dog anymore. I juggle it and then mm -hmm. I've been doing this other stuff and so... But that's the difference, too. Like, a lot of people, for example, that's why The Rock will come back to wrestling from time to time. Because when you're in front of a live audience, it's so much different than when you're filming. Yeah. You know? And you miss that, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 So do you, um, when you when you gig now, do, like, like, three or four days in a row and stay in the city? Or is it uh -huh. one show? And well, I do both. So I was just in uh, Orlando and uh, Tampa overnight. So I just did a one-nighter in Tampa last Saturday. Oh, wow. And then, uh, and then the next day I was in uh, um, Orlando, and then I flew home. So mm. sometimes I do that, but then the other thing is, comedy clubs are three days, so you right. do five shows. You get there on a Thursday, you do one show Thursday, two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, and then you fly home. So when you first, so I do both. When you first started, who kind of was there some influences or some some guys that helped you uh, kind of learn the the ropes, so to speak? Yeah, I don't know if you know his name. Um, he wound up being a, a big improv guy on that Drew Carey show. The uh, yeah. uh, whose line is it anyway? Greg Proops was my guy. Oh, he was wow. a real yeah. smart guy in San Francisco, and uh, I liked him because he didn't give a shit what the audience thought. Well, well like he wanted to kill. But also, if, like, their politics didn't line up, he did not care, and he would just double down. 
And I liked that. There was something kind of punk rock and metal about the way he didn't yeah. care. And that was appealing to me. So, like, and then other guys, you know, it was really, like, my friends or my biggest influences, like Patton Oswalt and the people I came up with, like mm. the guys I met in the 90s in San Francisco that I still look up to. Uh, David Tell came out, you know, from New York and was doing sets. And I, you know, I've been a fan ever since. And mm. we, I don't do what David Tell does, but uh, I look up to it. You know? So what's your style of comedy that you said? Well... They labeled it alternative, but really what that means is just uh, I still care about jokes. Like this thing about alternative comedy, people kind of thought that you didn't care about jokes anymore. I still care about jokes, but I, I just want them to be real, and I want them to come from a real place. So everything I do on in stand-up is like I talk about myself. It's self-deprecating, not all of it. But I just wanted to be myself on stage, and that's really what I focused on in the last, you know, the second half of their career. Because the big part of stand-up is, like, you don't find your voice right away. Like, a lot of people, you don't really get who you are until yeah. halfway, you know, five or ten years in, something like that. That's interesting. So five or ten years to figure out kind of what your style that you're most comfortable with? I think so. That's yeah. what, you know, that um, you know, there's some people that do it quicker. There's like the Aziz Ansari, which is kind of like what you were saying about Ashton. Aziz, I think, did stand up maybe two years and he broke. Boom, yeah. You know, that doesn't happen very often. Mm -hmm, but like mm -hmm. he found his voice right away and then broke. Like, because sometimes, well, I feel like I haven't seen too many people. I have seen some people break too early and then they kind of don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they don't really even know what their voice is yet. So then they just kind of double down on whatever the audience liked. If that makes sense. It does make sense. But when you're talking about, like, I remember seeing Seinfeld, for example, on David Letterman in, like, 86, 87. Mm -hmm. He's the same Seinfeld that well, he is right. now. Right off yeah, the yeah. bat, this observational, everyday humor. And it's like, that guy's really good. So some people can kind of capture that kind of instantly. Right. But I don't think he had just started. I think he'd started, like, 10 years before that. Gotcha. But that's so, when he first started yeah, on TV, like right? when you yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you um, started acting and you mentioned Empty Nest and all that sort of stuff, because what was the big show that you did? Was it with Spade? Uh, just Shoot Me. And that was, you were a regular on that. Right? Recurring, yeah, yeah. Is that your biggest gig that you've had? Or have you had other ones? Sitcoms, yeah. Yeah, and that, and then I was a regular on the Sarah Silverman program, which mm -hmm. is, you know, indie cred mm -hmm. on Comedy yeah, Central. Cred, yeah, yeah. But three years of that. And right. then uh, Big Bang, I was just uh, um, recurring on that too. Mm -hmm. But that's where... I go to every airport now and, and old guys in MAGA hats or, you know, or old, you know, it doesn't matter what, what, what the affiliation yeah. is, but there's old people love me now because I was on Big Bang Theory, which is hilarious to me. Cause well, it, it's, well, when I did Dancing with the Stars, my biggest fan base was 50 year old mid housewives, you know what I mean? I remember when you did that. Yeah, yeah. from that time frame, it was like, oh my God, yeah, yeah, yeah. at the grocery store, every right. time at, the, at the grocery store, you know what I mean? But you've got such a distinct look mm -hmm. and voice. So it's it's easy to kind of pick you out. Right. But it's funny to me because my stand-up is so not for everybody. Mm -hmm. So when I am getting on a plane and like an old lady lights up when she sees my face, I know exactly what it is. <laughs> she's, not, she's not like responding to my dick jokes. <laughs> she saw me on Big Bang Theory. <laughs> yeah, right, right. right. Your, your weird song for about metal. Yeah, yeah. So when did you start becoming friends with Scott and the Anthrax guys and those type of guys? Uh, we met... 99 or 2000 mm -hmm. uh they were at the house of blues and it was just one of those shows um 
My wife had just seen Sepultura with me, so she didn't want to go see Anthrax. She's seen Anthrax a million times since. Is your wife a metalhead? Because I know she does a lot of goes to a lot of shows with you. But yeah, was, she'll go. Uh, she goes. She's more of a rocker. Like we'll go to right. the Stones and McCartney, that sort of stuff. That's what my wife. My wife yeah. was more into Scorpions and Van Halen, and then fell into Kiss, everything else. You know, yeah, yeah. Loves Kiss. Rush. Oh, All her boyfriends wow. have loved Rush. I know. I That's got rare. super lucky. You're really lucky you had a yeah. wife that likes Rush. And yeah. I hated that she would say all my boyfriends liked Rush. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to know about all your boyfriends. <laughs> right, 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 right. But, but I got lucky. So, But that night, um, she didn't want to go. So I went, ah, screw it. I'll just go. I've gone to shows by myself over the years. And uh, went to the House of Blues. I uh, meet one of Scott's roadies. This guy used to work for him, uh, Bill, and he uh, comes up to me and goes, hey, do you know Scott? And I go, no, I never met him. And he goes, uh, do you want to meet him? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And I go up to the green room at the old House of Blues there, and the, all that was in the green room or in their dressing room was the band and then a couple guys from Slayer. It was uh, Carrie and uh, I think Lombardo at the time, mm-hmm. and, and but a couple other guys. But I walk in, and it's like all my metal heroes, and I, I kind of nerded out. Well, not kind of. Like, I got nervous. I started sweating. I was worried about passing out. Like, I was like, oh, man, don't let your legs lock up. <laughs> right, Because right. you'll, you know, shit your pants and fall over. And so I was just kind of trying to stay in the moment. And then uh, Scott knew me from uh, uh, the show I did called Mr. Show, this uh, sketch show, which was one of the Kirk, things. Right? Yeah. yeah. So of all the sitcom stuff, it's just shooting me. But that's what I kind of owe my career to Mr. Show because I've got so many other things from that. And then he was a fan, and we just started hanging out. And Mr. Show was kind of a sketch comedy. Sketch show on HBO. Yeah. But it was this thing that every writer in Hollywood watched, like film writers, uh, TV writers. And so I started getting gigs. Like, I got Just Shoot Me. I didn't have to audition for Just Shoot Me because of Mr. Show, like mm-hmm. all these things. And then we did uh, news radio together, me and the Mr. Show guys, and, and uh, a couple other shows I just got because people are like, oh, this is this funny, you know, nerdy <laughs> uh, sketch show thing. Right, right, right. What was it? Because was that, were you writing on Mr. Show? Or was that mostly Both. Oh, writing? Okay. Yeah, well, we all wrote. Uh, it was Bob and David. Uh, David Cross was the other. What a talent. Yeah, those crew, two guys right? were the head writers and yeah. the stars of the show. Mm-hmm. And then they had, I don't know if you know Paul F. Tompkins, if you heard yeah, of him, yeah, really yeah. funny. He was one of the writers. This guy, Scott Ackerman, who now uh, has a big uh, podcasting career. Uh, uh, and he started Earwolf. Uh, he was one of the writers, okay. too. So, uh, yeah, it was a bunch. It's so funny because if you remember those, like, um, it was probably 2010, maybe a little before the VH1, like, uh, I Love the 80s. Oh, or, yeah, yeah. Week, they did one for a weekly one, like the news of yeah, the week. Yeah, Paul or, F. was all over those. He was all over. You'd see yeah. that guy everywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, Paul Shear as well, you know. You see the guys all over the. Oh place, yeah, yeah. You know? So when you meet the guys from Anthrax, it's hard when you first meet like you know your heroes because you never know what to say. Like you said, like I don't want to be a nerdy guy, but I want to talk, but I don't want to talk too much. And it's right. almost like when you meet a really hot chick, you don't know what to say. Exactly. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was that for you? Who's the Who's the worst for you as far as who you've met at that level? Getty. Really? Yeah, I couldn't talk to him. I just, I just like panicked. Where, and, where did you uh, see him? Backstage at the forum at their last show. Uh, but it was their meet and greet. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you know uh, the guys in um, uh, Trailer Park Boys? Um, through people. I know Mike Bubbles. Yeah. 
Yeah. So Mike and I did a movie together a bunch of years ago, and we stayed close. Oh, really? And I uh, I looked him up because I knew he was so close with Rush, and I was like, hey, man, this is the last Rush show. I want to meet them so bad. Can you set it up? And he did. And then I blew it. Like, I just, all I had to say when I met Getty was, hey, man, I know Mike Smith. And then he would have, like, become a human. Yeah, the Instead, friend. he was on, you know, he was on shake yeah. hands mode. And, yeah. and, uh, and, uh, I just like went, I don't even remember what I said to him, but I do remember that I said, sir, at the beginning and end of my sentence. So I went, <laughs> sir, you're blah, 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 sir. Are you in the military now? <laughs> I don't sir, know. Yes, sir. Uh, but it's just, yeah, it was him. Yeah. It's like this God, this guy that I wanted to be my uncle in high school, you know, like I, I looked up to them so much <laughs> and they, they got me through so much mm. subdivisions Oh, like laid everything out for me yeah. my junior year of like, hey man, you know this is be th- cool, this is be it. Up. yeah, but yeah. it's like these guys get it, mm-hmm. and you're going through some shit and it sucks, but at least your favorite band gets you. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I felt like a loser. People were not nice to me, and I had a, a big, lot of tall guy, lanky yeah, guy. and lanky couldn't do a sit up. You know, all the jocks just, you know. Uh, special shorter guys. Shorter guys always loved picking on me. Why is that? Because I was wimpy, and they could destroy me. A wimpy but, dog. But I was this big guy that was like double their size. But they knew I wouldn't punch back. So I always had little dudes just in my face, or not in my face, in my belly button. <laughs> but that was a lot of high school, and um, you know, bands like them, you know, kind of uh, kept me sane. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about that with, with Metallica. It was, it was a big yeah. one for me with the lyrics because. Like, if you listen to, you know, we love Iron Maiden, but you're going to learn about Samuel Taylor Coleridge with Iron Maiden and, right. you know, the, 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 the tail gunners and all this sort of stuff. Whereas Metallica, we're talking about real life issues and, and you know, stuff that you could relate yeah, to yeah. with the angst of whatever James Yeah, Fade to Black and stuff like exactly, that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was always a connection there that you could really feel. Mm-hmm. And, and Rush kind of had, had that too, you know? It's funny, I met McCartney at, uh, well, I say, Met. He was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. I always go over here with my cousin, and he was standing there. Well, I moved up to him to stand next to him. And I was trying to think of something to say, and he started walking, and he had a guard in front of him, and we kind of met at a crossroads in the hallway. And I said, hey, Paul, if you get attacked by any ninjas, I got your back. Like, I'm trying to be funny. It's like, Uh come on, dude. And he's just looking at me like, all right. And I'm like, what a stupid, like, if you see any ninjas, I got your back, Paul. Like, what am I expecting him to say? Like, ah, ah <laughs> come on, let's go hang out. Right. You know? That's not the worst thing you could have said, though. I know, but <laughs> I, I think, like you said, I mean, you like you saying sir and sir with Getty, like, I wish right. I would, uh, uh, there was, like, time to say Yeah, and I'll probably never know? see him again. Yeah, and They're not touring again. And, yeah, something, yeah. right? Yeah. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the other bands that have influenced you. Uh, we're going to talk about that. But first, I want to say a quick word of thanks to Diamond Dallas Page and DDPY. Dallas and his DDPY program have done so much for me over the course of my career. It's why I'm still performing at the highest of levels in AEW. That's why I'm the champion and the demo god. That's why I'll be jumping as high as I can with Fozzie this week, uh, doing the only four gigs of our summer tour that uh, <laughs> mostly got postponed because of the pandemic. With the four left, though, I'm excited about that. I'm excited to do a DDPY 
because much like you, if you're in a city or a state where the gyms are closed because of the corona, like I'm going to be upcoming, I don't know what these gyms are going to be like when we're on the road. Uh, I don't want to work out in a gym with a bunch of strangers. I don't want to wear a mask while I'm training. Uh, but I will be doing DDPY now uh, on the app that I downloaded. And I'm going to let Diamond Dallas Page help me. And he can help you too as well uh, as you're in the safety and comfort of your own home. With DDPY, you get a kick-ass cardio workout that's also easy on your joints. Uh, you get that without any masks or social distancing necessary. And DDPY is a great option no matter your age or fitness level. It literally works for everyone. Dallas is so sure you're going to love it that he's given you a seven-day free trial just download the DDPY app and get started. I got the app on my phone. I literally do DDPY everywhere. Backstage at AW, in the dressing room, at Fozzie gigs, hotel rooms, living rooms, front yard, backyard. It's a killer workout you can do anywhere you want at your own pace. You get access to hundreds of workouts and to live workouts from the DDPY Performance Center in Smyrna, Georgia. And you get some personal motivation from DDP himself. He's very uh, hands-on with his clients. You can also connect the Bluetooth heart monitor to keep track of your workout data. You can stream the app to your TV so you can do the workouts on your big screen. So download the DDPY app today. You can get it for iOS or Android. Start your free seven-day trial. Choose a workout and get started. Let Dallas and DDPY change your life like he has for thousands and thousands of people, including me. Get on the path to healthy living and stay there. Start today, ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. That's ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Get in the best mental and physical shape of your life and go do it now. What other bands were you into in high school that really meant something to you? So many. I mean, like, that was the thing. Metal was my thing. So it would be like a couple of months except, you know, Riot, right. Raven, and all that Raven. stuff yeah. till till Metallica. Mm-hmm. But it, uh, Maiden was the big one. Maiden was the one that I was just drawing on everything. You know, I got Killers yeah. and and loved it, and then went back and bought the first record. And then they hired they fired the dude from Killers, and I was all freaked out, like, <laughs> oh shit, what happened, to Iron Maiden? Yeah, you know, this is my new favorite band. And then they got a dude that was better than him, mm-hmm. and then I became obsessed. But then it was all those other bands too. But Maiden, Metallica were the big ones, and Rush, of my non non Metallica. You know, bands it's that, funny when you think about how bands are now. And we talked earlier about how, you know Grandpa Metal and people don't buy records so much per se. But how into it were we when a, a member left a band? Oh yeah, it was like major. We knew, we knew every guy's name. Yep. And, you know, Adrian Smith's out Iron Maiden. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, no one knows who's in any band. No. it's it, Even that's changed because it was such a life thing at that time frame. For sure. You know? Yeah, and so major. And then in, like, drawing lines in the sand of, like, I like Van Halen, but I don't like, you know, 5150 and this <laughs> other new, you know? I don't like Hagar. And right, 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 right. It's cool, uh... I don't know how much you play for your kids, but I, I've gotten my kid. He figured out on his own that David Lee Roth is talented. He loves, you know, uh, I'm Easy and all the, you know, the, the solo stuff. Yeah, and I yeah, play that all the, the time. Jubilo, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, any of that stuff. But then he also gets, oh, what, the point I was trying to make, like he, he likes Hagar, but he doesn't like Hagar with, it wasn't Roth. It was, uh, he loves Roth and Van Halen. The only, the only Van Halen my kid likes. Okay is Roth Van Halen. And how old is he? Uh, he's 10. Wow. And I'm like, oh, I've done my job. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, there was something where he heard, 
He heard Van Halen without Roth and was just like, what is this? <laughs> and then, uh, I, you know, ever since he's like, it's only good with Roth. And I'm like, yes, buddy. Yes, you buddy. know, it's funny. You'll see as your kids get older, because of course we play music for them and then, and they, they soak it in and then they go to you know, high school or mm-hmm. and my son still listens to like, I'll go his playlist is like, you know, Judas Priest and like Dio. We were going to go see the Dio hologram show oh, cool. in Tampa. Then it got canceled, whatever. But it's like, he, I'm like, this is really cool that a 16 year old kid in 2020 wants to go see a Ronnie James Dio hologram. You're lucky. From 1982, man. Yeah, yeah. Right? You know? Yeah. I, I, I see other people. I, that aren't as lucky as us. And I, I hope my kid st- is still like that at 16. I have a feeling he will be. Uh, well, because you, you gave him the right foundation, yeah. right? Because there, there's going to be the rap element. You know, po- my son went to Post Malone. And, right. Well, now with Post Malone and Ozzy, like, you know, it's almost cool to allow him right. to do this. Right, right, But I like the fact that once in a while, he'll I'll hear, like, Eagle Fly Free by Halloween. Like, you're, what are you listening to Halloween for? Well, because I like Judas Priest, and on YouTube now... If you like this, you might want to try this. You can see on the side. Right. Oh, that's, so that's cool. One of the advents of social media and yeah, streaming yeah. is that they'll kind of turn kids on to other bands. Yeah, that's cool. You know, when you were a kid, who's the first concert you ever went to? Y and T. Wow, big in the in the in the Bay Area. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So they played over the hill. I grew up in Sonoma, and they played the Petaluma Fairgrounds, mm. and that was the only time or the first time I was able to convince my mom. Uh, to let me go, you know, and so right. I went with a, a friend of hers was going to the fair, and me and my buddy uh, tagged along, and uh, you know she didn't watch us during the concert, but she was somewhere. So at least my mom knew that this woman was in the same vicinity as me. <laughs> right, right. And then I started to get older uh, friends, older sisters, and brothers would drive us to shows and that kind of thing. So, but if you grew up in the Bay Area, and we're pretty much the same age, right? Mm-hmm. So this is thrash. The, the genesis of thrash happening basically in your backyard. But that, yeah, I, that was, uh, at least I was driving by the time thrash was happening. Mm-hmm. So, uh, were you involved in that scene? Uh, yeah. I mean, a fan of it. Huge. Yeah. Got made, I, well, I told you I got made fun of Metallica, um, before they even broke. I don't even think they were on Electra, but they were just hanging out one night. They had played the night before and I was there to see except at the, uh, God, Kabuki, the Kabuki Theater in, in SF, and uh, they were all there, and me, me and my buddies were, like, freaking out. Like, oh, it's the whole band. You know, mm-hmm. Cliff's there, and, and Kirk's there, and Lars is there, and, and so we go up to him, and I've told this story, but uh, they both, Kirk made fun of me first, because I said to Kirk, I go, dude, you shred, and he's like, shred, I don't even cook, and I was like, god damn it. <laughs> I was just, like, you were trying to be cool with McCartney. <laughs> and that know? doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. Shred, I don't even cook. What? <laughs> I know. Right? And then Headfield, I go to my buddies, or I go to Headfield, but I, like, point to my friends, and we're all, like, brand-new leather or denim jackets and patches and that whole thing. I couldn't even – my mom wasn't even letting me grow my hair yet, uh, but I might have had a perm. (laughs) I may or may not have had a perm. (laughs) An 80s perm. And uh, just give it a little body, you know. And and, uh, and then uh, I go to him. I go, hey, my friends are starting a band. What do you think we should call them? And he looked at us and goes, almost. And uh, and then Burton laughed in my face. <laughs> and then I still liked Metallica. I mean, that was early. They probably had they probably had 10,000 kids like them at that point. Right, right, right. You know? Yeah, in that area alone. Yeah, yeah. And that was it. 
and I was one of them, and they were mean to me. Like, they didn't give a shit. They're kind of a little, if you, if you watch stuff from back in that era, like, super drunk constantly. And yeah. Kind of a little bit asshole-esque. Uh-huh. You know, especially to the kids like, right. that like them. So what, what made you decide to go into stand-up comedy? Just kind of not knowing what else to do. I mean, I, I was so into music, but I couldn't play it. Um, so I was thinking of being a DJ, and then I was... It wasn't that it was hard, but, like, I, I messed around with that a little and didn't love it. And then I was also studying journalism in a junior college and was uh, interviewing bands. I interviewed Fishbone, and it was it went so terribly that I was just like, I don't want to do this either. I don't know what I want to do. Right. And then I just decided to give stand-up a shot and because I, I had been thinking about it. And then I just started writing jokes after I called the local comedy club in my town and they're like, well, you can't come in here, mm -hmm. like, if you've never done comedy before. And I'm like, well, what do I do? And they're like, go to an open mic. And I was like, well, what's an open mic? And they're just like, Duh, you know. <laughs> but they told me. And then I found out the town open mic, and I wasn't old enough. I called the open mic, and they're like, you got to be 21. So I was writing jokes, and then the week I turned 21, like, five days after I turned 21, I went on stage my first time. So what, uh, what was that like, your first stand-up? The first time, I destroyed Really? Like, I, yeah, I just went up and everything worked. And then the second time I ate it so hard, <laughs> I did all new jokes. I didn't do any of the jokes that worked the first week. I went back the following Wednesday and just completely ate it. And, uh, and then I still loved it. I was like, well, that sucked. Right. But I still like this. And so I figured it out. So then the third week I went back and did the stuff that worked. So what kind of, what kind of jokes were your original ones? I don't even remember. Well... One of the ones that hit, and I feel kind of guilty about because, like I was talking earlier, uh, my material became real. You know, it was more of a persona. I had long hair at the time, and I had the stoner accent thing, you know, that California like, <laughs> thing. And, and uh, it was kind of a Spicoli, you know, on stage. But the first joke was, I don't do drugs. My parents did, so I pretty much don't have to. I get flashbacks from shit I never did. And it wasn't right. true. My parents didn't do drugs, right. but it felt like a funny take, yeah. you know, because there were so many kids in the 80s that had hippie parents. Right. And especially where I lived in California, in Northern California. That's total hippie area. Uh, right? yeah, yeah. It smelled like weed at half my friend's parents' houses. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, literally half mm -hmm. of them. There was the conservative ones, but then there were the other ones where I'd walk through like a, a it's not even a doorway. It was just beads hanging there. <laughs> yeah. or not a door you'd walk through the doorway of beads yeah. and smell uh you know weed and mm -hmm. and whatever else they're trying to mask the weed smell with mm -hmm. you know <laughs> so that was a big thing who were your influences uh did you have any like that you looked up to as a kid or, or whatever of like, stand-up or yeah comedians that you liked i did yeah there were a ton there were uh you know um at that time it was kennison and dice and all those guys but before that, it had been uh, Steve Martin and uh, and Robin Williams, mm. especially because they'd recorded their... I was so into growing up in the Bay. Like, I love the bands from the Bay and the fact that, you know, uh, Steve Martin had recorded his stand-up in San Francisco and Robin Williams, too. Oh, wow. So it yeah, felt yeah. like, it felt like, oh, this is from where I'm from, mm -hmm. and the, you know, representing. It's interesting when, when you talk about a guy like Steve Martin and... and I don't know the merits of him still uh, going out on tour now, but like, I wish those, I wish he would do 
you know, actually, he does some with Martin Short. He does, that's, and it's that's hilarious. Cool. That's actually yeah, really yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've gone to the live. Yeah, I just I saw the special. I mean, they just taking the piss out of each other. The it's whole so time, great. Right? Yeah, we yeah. went and we loved it. And Eddie Murphy's back, which is great because those see, those are the two big guys. I was like, well, why didn't Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy ever do what they it's started to me, with? Because when you talk about Eddie Murphy, like so politically incorrect, you couldn't use half that material now. And I'm wondering if he's going to embrace that and own it and continue on with his. Yeah, I don't actor. know. I mean, it's gonna it's it's one of those things like it's gonna have to be great because yeah. people have been waiting for so long, and he knows that. So it's kind of interesting to see which which take he's gonna which way he's gonna go with it. Yeah, I know some people. I I've heard good things, and I, mm-hmm. but yeah, the the PC thing is such a thing in comedy now. So has that, that affected you from when you started to now? Um, yes, and well, I haven't been like I haven't gotten into trouble, but I've adjusted. Mm. You know, there's there's things that I maybe said 15 years ago that I wouldn't say now. And like, can't, right? Yeah, you yeah. can't really. And I, and also my attitude has changed. There's a couple of things that I've, I've grown up on, you know, I might not have been that nice to trans people when I was younger, <laughs> Yeah, you know, cause I just didn't get it. Right. And now, and I've met some and I get it. Mm-hmm. And I'm also such an anti-bully, you know, because of my background as being a nerd, punching down in comedy is something I will never do. Like, uh, uh, you know, Meaning? punching down, going for easy targets, oh, okay. low hanging fruit, being a bully, fat kids or kids. With yeah. Glasses just or whatever, or whatever, just whatever you. it is, yeah. but low hanging fruit, just easy targets. I won't, I'll be mean to people, but it's going to be the hard targets or I'll make mm. fun of myself. Right. But I won't just like punch down. Gotcha. But it's like you said, it's, it's always easy and better to self deprecate. I think. Yeah. And then you also keeps me out of trouble. Like, no one's going to go, hey, be nice to yourself. People yeah. do sometimes, though. Really? Like, yeah. there'll be, like, some goth girl in my front row that, like, has a crush on me or whatever. <laughs> and I'm making fun of how gross I am. And she's like, no, you're cute. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> shut up. I just want to get through this. Yeah, exactly right. Come on, let me do my thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about your scene in The Mandalorian and how that happened. Uh, but before we do, it's been reported that Americans are overpaying on car insurance by listening to this. $21 billion. Yeah, I said billion with a B, like Brian Posing. Uh, but I know that searching for a better deal on car insurance can take hours, and who's got the time to spend doing that? And then if you spend all that time searching, it only results in nothing but spam calls, blowing up your phone. Well, good news. Thezebra.com solves both those problems. Thezebra.com slash Jericho is the nation's leading car insurance comparison site because it's the only place where you can compare notes side-by-side from over 100 providers and then choose the best one for you in 90 seconds or less. It's quick. And don't worry about those annoying spam calls. They're out the window. won't happen because the Zebra will never sell your information to the spammers. And here's how quick and easy it is. You just answer a few questions on a simple form, and then the Zebra finds you the best rates and coverage in your site. The best part is it's completely free. You can save up to $670 a year using the zebra.com slash Jericho. Now, I know things are starting to reopen in some states like South Dakota and North Dakota, where I am right now. And that means there might be more people on the road where you live. So the zebra is committed to making sure you've been, uh, you'll be covered at the lowest price possible. So how much exactly can you save on your car and home insurance? Go to the zebra.com slash Jericho and find out. Start saving today at the zebra dot com slash Jericho. That's T H E Z E B R A dot com slash Jericho. Save some money and go do it now. So 
so let's talk a little bit about the Mandalorian and just how uh, random it was. But it's a really cool scene. Are you a Star Wars guy? Huge. Okay. Yeah. So that was, um, and I, I had, uh, I'd been anti too, since because I was such a Star Wars nerd, I had a period of hating it. From like I didn't like the special editions. Oh. I didn't like the prequels. Because I just didn't like when he messed with anything, and then and then the prequels were terrible in my eyes. Yeah, I agree. But uh, so I I was pretty vocal in my stand up about it, and uh, I uh, so that was but, part of your act. Yeah, it was part of my act. But then I changed when these the new ones came out. I really liked Rogue One. Yeah, and uh, become a fan again. And a buddy of mine was uh, the editor on it, and so John Favreau was casting it and said, "Look, I got the small part in the first in the first episode um, but I want somebody who's recognizable but it's also a small part a lot of actors are going to say no to this small part uh, and my buddy went oh no I think Brian Posehn will do it and he went really and then Favreau even asked Sarah Silverman because he knows she's like one of my best friends mm-hmm. and he was like will Brian Posehn do it and she was like absolutely he'll do it and I just got offered the part and it came to me my manager's like it had a fake name you know, yeah. and uh, we do this, and I was like, "What is that?" And he goes, "It's really this. It's really Star Wars." And then, as soon as he said what it was, I knew what it was. You know, I was like, "Oh, is it the thing Favreau's doing? It's mm-hmm. the series for Disney Plus?" And he's like, "I think." And I'm like, "Find out." <laughs> yeah. And he's like, "Yeah, that's what it is." And I went, "Okay, okay, yeah, let's go." Did you mostly green screen that? No, so they don't use green screen. Or that's the first show to like step away from it. They have this whole new tech. Where it's uh, these uh, little screens that are that have the image already on, so you walk into the set and you felt like you're already on the ice planet. Oh wow! And the only stuff that was green screened was like uh, the arm that the um, my uh, speeder was on. Mm-hmm. So that, you know we had a bunch of like crew guys push me in the speeder, and so they're all green screened and you know and off. But everything else, it was practical. It felt That's so like, cool. Yeah, it's the really fact cool. that you got to do that. It's interesting to me that you said that, that he wants to be recognizable, but a lot of actors wouldn't do it. It's like, come on, dude. I mean, it's... It, well, unless I'm they're fans. I'm talking about it right now, right? Yeah, 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 unless they're fans. I mean, I feel like a lot of actors would go, wait, how many lines? It's five lines? Mm-hmm. Nope. Mm-hmm. You know, they have, like, that kind of thing. I don't really... Right. If it's if it's funny, I'll go and do smaller sitcom parts. But And then this thing was like, yes, of course. You know. So let's talk about the, the the special editions and just the changes that they made. Because like you said, it's like going back and repainting the Mona Lisa or adding like a, you know, I want her to have, you know, adjoining jo- eyebrows or something now. It's like it doesn't work that way. You don't do that, right? Right. Well, yeah. He did a thing because he was at a level no one else was at a level. No one else has been at his level ever. And the fact that he owned all that stuff, he was able to go back. But I don't think you'd want to see anybody like if Scorsese said, hey, I have a new cut of Casino, I, I've i hated all these things about Casino, I finally went back and fixed it, I'd be like, no, because mm-hmm. I love Casino. Like, right. You know what I mean? Like, you grew up with it, and you watched yeah, it, and you know it off by heart. Yeah, and it, it was the same thing with Lucas t- you know, saying, I'm going to fix this. Well, it wasn't broken, dude. Right. Like, like we all, you know, to me it felt insulting. Mm-hmm. And he, he, like, doubled down a couple of times at the time. Which made me like really pissed off. Like he would say, "Well, like who cares about what the fans think? They need to get a life." It was like that old uh, when Shatner was on SNL yeah. making fun of Trekkies. Hey, you. you ever kissed a girl? <laughs> yeah, How it was that you? same kind of thing. Yeah. And I took offense to that. I was like, "Dude, like 
all this stuff I got in my apartment mm-hmm. is paying for you having, you know, the right, being able to do whatever you want. Like me and a bunch of dudes like me. Because at that point, Star Wars was just really living off nerds at that mm-hmm. point. It, was, it wasn't what it is now. You yeah. know, now it's so mainstream and worldwide. Right. Until, but 20 years ago, it was well, still... Yeah, basically yeah. until he sold to Disney, it was mm-hmm. not what it is even now, even when the prequels came out. But the thing that bothered me most about the special editions is they changed the music, which, now talking nerd stuff, but when he goes into freaking, you know, Jabba's yes. lair, that music is different. The cantina music is different. Why? Yeah. Why did did the the licensing agreement with John Williams run out and you had to change it? No, it wasn't that. It was just he always wanted to tweak and tweak and you know. The, and the end, the celebration. Yeah. On Endor. Yeah. That music terrible. has changed. I can hum that song. The original dun, dun, or the yeah. Dun, 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 dun. It's gone. <laughs> right. You know, like don't. I know. That really bothered me. And just even like. Like cutaway scenes or like uh, wide shots where he just like more monsters. Mm-hmm. Like I put more yeah, dobacks yeah. in this scene. Who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you used to collect uh, the the action figures, the uh, dolls back then? We you were them. right the first time. <laughs> well, that's the, I, there were dolls when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, <Sorry>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, but by the time I was nerdy about it, they were action figures and they stayed in the box and yeah. yeah. Oh. I did all that. So you, but you didn't do it as a kid? No. Oh, well, okay. I bought them when they came out, and then I got rid of them. Mm-hmm. But then I, we, I re-bought them in the in the 90s when I started to get money from doing comedy and stuff. Uh, I so was, you're a collector now? Yeah, I was collecting. Do you now I, well, uh, I collect vinyl now. It's changed. Like when my son was born, I stopped buying like uh, nerdy figures and stuff, and, and now I buy them for him. Like mm-hmm. he, He's into everything I was ever into. So Which that's been cool. fun. Yeah, that's been really fun of like, he's into Marvel, he's into DC, he's into Star Wars, he's, we build Legos together, it's been a fun thing. So <laughs> I now get, you know, the fun of buying shit for him. Mm-hmm. And then he opens it and ruins it, but I, I've gotten <laughs> yeah. okay with that. Right, yeah, yeah. Now I collect guitars and big boy stuff. You know, I have, a, I have like eight guitars and a ton of vinyl. But it's, it's, it's funny how vinyl has kind of saved the, the record industry mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, you know? And have you ever had any of your comedy albums on vinyl? This one is, yeah. And then I did uh, um, one a couple of years ago. Relapsed did a, a one-off. That's when you know picture you've, disc. That's yeah, you've yeah. made it. It's pretty cool. Hold your own album. Holding it in your hand yeah. Yeah, is, a, is a pretty great feeling because vinyl meant so much to me as a kid. Well, that's another thing that's kind of lost, too. We talked earlier about band members and stuff, but the, the, the album cover, the liner notes, the lyrics, all of that stuff was, once again, so important. I really made, like, even in the packaging for this, I, I did liner notes and I did all the lyrics. Like, so in my vinyl, I've got that because I really was. I did want to have that feeling again. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. like, Maiden was the best. Always had cool stuff. I remember just looking at Power Slave over and over, yeah. like, look, uh, finding little things and the, you know. How about Caught Somewhere in Time? Oh, yeah, yeah, the same. That was the one that just had all the clues. Yeah, even more things yeah. on, on that cover than Power Slave, yeah. But I mean, and that, you know, now an album cover is a little postage stamp on your phone when you're listening to to the tunes, you know? Right. So we're going to talk about some of your acting projects and what the biggest role you've had is. But before you answer that, let me say thanks to another fine talk is Jericho sponsor. That's Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home today is so much more than it was yesterday. But at Rocket Mortgage, home is still all about you. 
During these challenging times we're all experiencing, the top priority at Rocket Mortgage is the health and safety of the communities they serve. And while things are changing quickly every day, one thing that will never change is their team's commitment to giving you the best mortgage experience possible. That's why if you need mortgage support, their team of experts is here to answer questions and offer solutions for you. They understand that hardships happen. They're here to help. And whether that means working with you to save money on your mortgage uh, or finding a new way to navigate payments, if you have questions, the team at Rocket Mortgage has all the answers. They know how important your home is to you because you are important to them. If you need mortgage assistance, the home loan experts at Rocket Mortgage are available to help 24 hours a day, seven days a week from their home to yours. The team at Rocket Mortgage is with you. So just visit rocketmortgage.com slash Jericho to learn more. That's rocketmortgage.com slash Jericho. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. When you're talking about your acting stuff, we mentioned Devil's Reject and some of the sitcoms. What's the biggest, some of the biggest things you've done movie-wise? Oh, uh... Have you had that part yet where you... You know, we're in a Scorsese movie or uh, you know, anything like that. No, but I did the I did two Apatow movies, and okay. I was I was cut out of Funny People because <laughs> I didn't make the two and a half hour cut, but I was in the three and a half hour cut. <laughs> that guy's insane. Right. He just his comedies are longer than anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then I did uh, his other. Uh, he produced it. Uh, it was a, a five year engagement, a mm-hmm. Jason Siegel movie. Yeah. Okay. And uh, uh, that was one where I was like man, I'm going to get to do movies now for the rest of my life. And then it didn't hit. Like, that one, like, I feel like, did you even see that one? I didn't. I'm trying to remember. Who, who's, the, who's the lead? Who is Emily, uh, the the woman who's in, uh, um, is it Emily Blunt? Uh, she's yeah. in uh, um, Jungle Cruise with The Rock yeah. coming up. I think it was Blunt. It was her and um, Siegel. Jason Siegel, and then Chris Pratt's in it. Okay. Kevin Hart's in it. All these people that, like, have since broke, but five years ago when it came out, they hadn't broke yet, mm. and uh, or maybe it's longer than that. But I think it had like um, it had a date movie stink to it, and I think guys stayed away from it because they thought it was just like Bridesmaids or whatever. Right. And Bridesmaids was great, but mm-hmm. I think they thought it was going to be that style of movie. Yeah, yeah. So I even had guys like, oh, my girlfriend dragged me to that, but I loved it. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, it kind of that's the one thing where I, I wish it would have been bigger. It's hard, like, you know, out here when you do something and you think this is the one and then it doesn't happen. And then you think I'll never get this one. And then it's there. You right. Know, I just did the, the, the new Kevin Smith movie, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. And the part that I had is pretty good. I played Ku Klux Klan leader and mm-hmm. I'm in the scene where, where Silent Bob speaks, which is once a movie, it's a pretty big scene. Right. And I'm like, okay, this is the one. I'm, on the credits, I'm in between Val Kilmer and freaking uh, 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 Chris Hemsworth, Hemsworth, wow. Jericho, and Kilmer. Like That's this amazing. is it. Uh-huh. Phone hasn't uh, <laughs> rang too much, <laughs> right? Yeah, you just man, never know though, right? That happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I feel like I'm lucky. I, I always work, mm-hmm. and so I have you know these the down uh, the down periods are just part of it, you know. But it's good too because you can go do stand up and do, yes. go on the road with that, right? I mean that's kind of the the so who's out there for stand up that that you're digging nowadays? Usually, uh, guys that I know, even uh, Kyle Kinane, I love. You know him. I don't really know. funny. Ron Funches. Yeah, Funches is great. Yeah, yeah, and then well, also fellow wrestling lover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, has he done? Has he done the cruise? 
He was going to do it last year, but then he got some part and had to had a okay. drop off, which happens, right? So yeah, and then uh, Brad, you know Brad Williams, mm-hmm. and um, then Patton, and yeah, you know, and Patton, Patton, and, and it seems like Patton runs in the same circles that you do as well, yeah. as far as the friends and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff as well, right? Yeah, we started together. We had a he had a documentary called Comedians of Comedy that I was a part of. He and it was me and Zach Galifianakis and Maria Bamford. Hmm. So comedians, what is it? Comedians, comedians of comedy. There were so many people that like it's the kings of comedy, yeah. and then it was the Latin kings of comedy, and it was like all these people saying that they're this of comedy. I, and I pitched the idea to Patton of well, why don't we just call ourselves the comedians of comedy? We're just comedians. <laughs> That's it, right? That's it. That's great. Uh, as we start to wind down, we're talking a little bit more about about music. Um, who are your favorite bands overall? Uh, so it's still Rush. It's still Metallica and Maiden, and then it's Beastie Boys, the Pixies, um, who else? Van Halen, mm-hmm. a lot of Van Halen still, ACDC. The standards. Yeah, UFO. How about newer bands? Is there any that you dig? Not that I'm playing all the time. I mean, there's some metal bands newer. In the mainstream, I got into Radiohead, you know, the two good records, um, but not since the 90s. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been, like, somebody mainstream that's really won me over since them, I think. But there's fewer and fewer of those mainstream yeah, bands. It's yeah. kind of one of those things when you see, you know, you mentioned Rush. Obviously, Neil's gone. They, they stopped a few years earlier anyways. And, you know, when, how long is Maiden going to do or Metallica? But, but those big arena-level, stadium-level bands are becoming fewer and fewer. Yeah. I like Muse when Muse broke. Mm-hmm. But I don't find myself, like... Going, I gotta listen to the yeah, news. Yeah, they had a time frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah they had a time frame. Were you uh, bummed when when Neil passed away? Huge. Yeah, I actually sent you a text, but I think it was the old we, number. Yeah. yeah, it was the old number. Yeah, because yeah. I just knew of anybody. I was alone in New York, and I just sent a couple texts out to people, just going, "Dude, you know, like yeah, what yeah, the f-? Yeah. like?" It hit me so hard. It's- I felt like, well, we didn't know he was that sick. Nobody knew. No, and I. Th- I still thought they were going to show up in Toronto and do 50 and just do one off. And I was going to take my kid and go to Toronto and go see the show. Mm -hmm. I still thought that I was going to get one more residency or something, you know? Oh, that would be great. Like at Vegas Vegas, or something. Yeah. Yeah. I I still thought we'd get a one off. Like they would do Toronto and maybe here because they always liked here too. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought they'd come back to the forum and do like one more forum show. So it was a gut punch. It's and then, I, and then, alone, like I said, I was like alone in Brooklyn, and I just went drinking, and then went to a bar, and all they had was sub. I went to uh, Duff's in uh, in Brooklyn. I know that place. Yeah, and yeah. So of course, of course. <laughs> and the only metal, the only rush they had on their uh, uh, on their machine, their you know their jukebox, was Subdivision. So it was kind just of perfect. It was yeah, that yeah. song. I think every, I know Portnoy did that, and Charlie uh, and I were talking because we're we're pretty tight and. Same thing. Put on Beyond the Lighted Stage and then watch that through and then just like YouTubing Rush Gigs, Rio. And yeah, I did a lot of that. So I went back to my hotel and I just sat on my balcony. Uh, maybe I was smoking a joint <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just watching Rush on my phone. And But it's funny because if you're not a fan of Rush or of music in general, it's like, like my wife, like, Neil Peart died. She's like, who? The drummer of Rush? Like, oh, whatever. Like, But I'm like, you don't understand the... the monumental influence this guy had not just on drumming lyrically yeah from the band rush and when you're talking about 
somebody being the best in the world at what they do as a musician, Neil has a case of being the best. Yeah, for sure. So it's almost a culture. And he was almost like a god in music, you know, sure, for, right. what, for music. Yeah, or even just for in general, just drummers, yeah. rock drummers in general. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, so that's Neil, and then you got Van Halen, uh, you know, who's the best? I mean, Mick Jagger, like these are these iconic guys. Like it's a drag. You yeah, know, who's really left? Is. Yeah, or well, losing any of them. Bowie really affected me a couple of years ago. You know, that was a big one. Uh, this is the biggest, though. This is mm -hmm. Neil's the biggest since high school for me. Like Randy Rhodes. That's another great example. Yeah, in high school, that really f***ed me up. Like that was, that was uh, at that point, I, my dad had died when I was two, but I'd never had any, like, it sounds weird, but I'd never had any, like, well, my my grandmother. So it was my grandmother in high school and... Randy Rhodes, mm -hmm. and they both affected me almost the same way. And it sounds ridiculous, but that's just how invested I was in music, you know. And still, like, I still feel like we only got two records out of that guy. Yeah, you know, yeah. I named my kid Rhodes. Really, my son's name is Rhodes. Yeah, and I spell it the same way as uh, as Randy. And it's one of those things. Tom Morello did the same thing. His really? kid, yeah, he has a kid named. Uh, it's one of those things, though. Like you talk about. Randy's his direction and Ozzy was like he probably just would have been a classical teacher and he might have quit or not quit but it, it was like for me the, the one that got me was Cliff Burton because I yeah. was a huge Metallica fan me too and at that point in time you know you, I read it in a little blurb in the Winnipeg Free Press like no internet and I was just like what Clifford Lee Burton yeah that old. was like, the one after that yeah and then Dio was big for me mm. 10 years ago now but but you see the thing when with Dio too is like we knew he was sick and, yeah. and Cliff and Randy were just shocks. No one knew just how bad Neil was. Right. So that's why it, it was like it was oh more my of gosh, a gut punch. Is this yeah, real? Yeah. yeah. You know exactly. But that's just part of the the love of music that you know we have. Or when Malcolm Young died, that was another one. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the kind of a total drag of these iconic guys. Totally. Which is is it kind of sucks because it means that we're getting older too. Yeah, I feel like half the music I listen to has a dead guy in it. You know, yeah, like I yeah, play yeah. all these bands now, and I'm like, I'm listening to the Beastie Boys, and it's like, oh man, and right. Rush now, and Pantera. Yeah, half of Pantera's oh, gosh, gone. Right? You know, like, yeah, it's brutal. And yeah, and if you're talking, Neil and if you like grunge, if you liked grunge in the '90s. None of those guys are alive except for Eddie Vedder. Yeah. Eddie Vedder's the only one. That's what I was saying. You better keep Eddie Vedder like, in, a, in, a, yeah. in a contained box. Yeah, him and the dude from Candlebox. <laughs> <laughs> People wish he wasn't. Yeah. Right. No, but you're thinking about Cornell, but, and you're thinking about... Uh, Lane Staley. Staley and... Uh, Cobain Wayland first. And Cobain. Yeah. Even if you want to throw Andrew Wood in there. Yeah, yeah. Bone. First, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he was before uh, yeah, Eddie. The, but yeah, yeah. all those guys were, yeah. you know, once again, this iconic scene, you know? Of course. You were into Love Bone. I loved Love Bone. Yeah, yeah, they were great. Oh, I love Mother Love Bone. Like, yeah. I'm cool with Pearl Jam, but to me, none of that stuff. Even he was close. a different singer. He, uh, Andrew Wood was like, yeah. And the chemistry they talented. had, the, the riffs, the writing. Uh -huh. If you guys are listening, haven't heard Mother Love Bone, I implore you to go check out the record. Every song is good. And at the end of the 80s, it was so great where, like, I was a thrash guy. Because Mother Love Bone, Soundgarden, and all these bands were starting to come out from up there, and they were doing a different thing. And mm -hmm. I got I got into all of them. I loved yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, last few questions for you. Who who's your favorite thrash band? Ah, uh, Anthrax. Anthrax. Yeah. To this day, still killer. Just those riffs. Yeah. And just that 
they made it fun. Mm-hmm. They made heavy music fun, I think. And that that's it's a big influence on me. And I don't think I would have made this record. Well, I wouldn't have made this record if I hadn't made Friends with Scott. Yeah. But they were already my favorite band because like they kind of passed Metallica for me because they had a sense of humor and because they were into things I was into. Uh, like they were writing lyrics about uh, comic books, you mm-hmm. know, Judge Dredd and shit like Stephen that came King up. Always. Yeah, Stephen King. Yeah. That kept cool. me a fan forever. It was cool when I listened to the song Grandpa Metal. There was a point because it's Scott. That was like, this kind of has an I'm the man vibe to it, which was the original comedy metal yeah, song. Absolutely. Yeah, right? yeah. You know? And that's something that Charlie will say. He thinks that's one of the reasons why they started going down was because it was too funny. Yeah. For, for the, you know, the thrash or die type guys back in those Whatever. days. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite uh, Star Wars movie? Empire. Yeah, me too. Me too. That's, that's a no-brainer. And for the new ones, Rogue One is cool. I like Rogue that. One's great. My son pointed up though that uh, everyone dies. Well, yeah, that's the idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's Alderaan, right? Yeah. So we, uh, I bought him all the figures, and we'd seen it. I think we'd seen it. He and I saw it a couple times in the theater. I'd see. I think we'd just seen it once in the theater, and he had his figures lined up, and he called me into his room, and and I go, "What's up, buddy?" And he goes, uh, "I was just playing with these guys, and I realized they're all dead." <laughs> he's just a smart kid in the way he put it. Yeah. it was like I just realized these guys are all dead and the I was wisdom like, of a child you're right, right buddy they are they're yeah. all dead that's weird that's <laughs> <laughs> super weird because when we were kids just Kenobi was dead yeah so you had the figures but he was the only like dead guy you're <laughs> right, playing, right. With. You're playing with he dead had guys, like his yeah. handful of dead guys <laughs> <laughs> are you gonna try it would you ever do any a gig with uh, with with this project Could we're talking about it so have you seen Scott do a spoken word yeah so we're talking about doing that where he I got a call the other day from uh, from Hanrahan asking about dates with you and We've Scott. even talked about, yeah, yeah, you would be a perfect fit. To do with you guys, yeah. To go out and do, uh, you know, he goes up, you go up, I go up, yeah. and then we come up and do a couple songs at the end was the <laughs> that's idea. Cool. That's but, cool. But uh, that's the only way, I'm because I don't really want to go out. I don't even know that I have the stamina or the voice to do that, like to do an hour of singing. Mm-hmm. Did you have to train? Did you have to? Well, I mean, it's just muscle memory, man. I mean, you, you train by just and just rehearsal doing it. And rehearsal, just, just doing, doing it. it. Like even I saw Roth last night, David Lee Roth, and the first couple shows that Dave did his Vegas residency, you could tell he's kind of shaky. Yeah, people not, were putting on in the internet. Not great. Yeah, yeah. Last night sounds great. You know why? Because he's on tour. Right. He's on he's the road. He's singing it. every night. You yeah. Can, I can hear his. He got his muscle memory back, and that's that's all it is to do a one off gig. Even when we were talking about Rush. If they came back to do a fifty show, that's a lot of rehearsal. You know, for that's, sure. that's months of rehearsal for the for one sure. gig. So, to do a, to do a show is not easy. Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite song on the record? Uh, I love them all, but Grandpa Metal. <laughs> Grandpa Metal. I know it was about Scott. Well, dude, great stuff, man. I love the uh, the logo, the Metallica Posein logo as well. We haven't gotten sued yet, so <laughs> we're at Mega Force, so I think we're safe. It should be okay. Yeah, Johnny <laughs> Z will take him off. Yeah, yeah. Cool, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me, man.